My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's People. So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes, you will find answers, you will find guidance, and most of all, you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes, and some of them are not child-friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie's People. Welcome to episode 19 of Blondie's People. And in this episode, we speak to uh, my vicar, is how I refer to him, but the Reverend Stephen Thomas. This man, this man works with those young people that most want to turn a blind eye on. And we're going to talk about faith, losing faith, and what faith means to some people. So sit back and relax. These interviews are for Blondie's people, people that inspire me now, but if they'd been there for Blondie when she was younger, if they'd been about, then life might have been different. I ask everyone the same question. This might give it away. Who <laughs> are you and what do you do? I'm quite interested in what you're going to say. <laughs> Thank you, Kendra. I'm more than this, I hate to add. Um, <laughs> Yep, my name's Stephen Thomas. Uh, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I'm also, actually my guest, a parish priest as well, but I was not born a priest and that's something I have to remind people at the best of times. So where am I? I'm in uh, Barrowman Addison Downs, a little bit south of Canterbury. Uh, did I expect to be here a few years ago? No, it's often a good joke in the Church of England. How do you give God a good laugh? Tell them about your future plans. <laughs> So I, I think, Kendra, you know, thinking about our time in Thanet as well, this is a complete reversal, really, as to what I'm used to. But there have been some strange connections and strange things that have happened along the way, which has a bit of a link with your line of vocation as well. Yeah. But yeah, so as a parish priest, what do I do? I baptise, I marry, I do funerals. I had to have a sad funeral discussion today with a family. Um, we're sort of shepherds for all people. In fact... Thinking about you, Kendra, I dug up the old book of ordination services. When you become a priest or a deacon in the church, you have to go through a service. Now, being a priest doesn't mean you're any more special than anybody else. It means you are set apart for the job that God wants you to do. And so I'll just give you a couple of lines from the ordination service book. You know, I love it. Go on. <laughs> it says here, priest, I'll show you the cover of the book so you can see I'm not making it up. Yeah, just not to just play, <laughs> not your life. You just say anything. Tell me it's holy, and I have to accept it. <laughs> it says here, priests are called to be servants and shepherds among the people to whom they are sent. And I, I like that one. To proclaim the word of the Lord and to watch the signs of God's new creation. They are messengers, watchmen, and stewards. I was a peacemaker the other day in a, in a local civic thing. So it's amazing what other job titles you have on top as well. Um, I'm just going to go through it very quickly because it's quite long. It says here, bits of it. Uh, with all God's people, they are to tell the story of God's love, baptise new disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to walk with them. And that's something you and I have in common, to walk with people uh, in the way of Christ, nurturing them in the faith, uh, to unfold scriptures, to preach the word in season, out of season. So 
when I'm in church or out of church, for example, and a lot of my time is out of church, I hate to add. Uh, we ask to preside, that means to take the lead at the Lord's table, so during Holy Communion, uh, to lead in worship, offering within the spiritual sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, to bless the people in God's name. And this is the bit I think people sometimes forget about what we do. We are there to resist evil, support the weak, defend the poor, and intercede for all in need. We are also there to minister to the sick, to prepare the dying for their death. And guided by the spirit, they are to discern and foster the gifts of all God's people. Quite powerful stuff, isn't it? It sounds but, like stuff that you do all the time, to be fair. <laughs> to a certain extent. Uh, I think sometimes get, people get this conception uh, that we're just there on a Sunday morning um, and, uh, and nothing else will happen the rest of the week. I'll tell you something really funny, Kendra. When I came here for the interviews, uh, I wanted to see if they had a sense of humour the church wardens. And the Archdeacon, who's interviewing me there as well, one of the questions they came up to me in this panel was, so, Stefan, if you came here, what would be your day off in the week? And I get this deadpan face of, probably Sundays. I like Sundays, really. And you could see them sort of looking, going, what, is he for real? <laughs> this, is, this is what makes it, right, so you're, you're Stefan, that's how I introduce you, but for, yeah. me, for me, you're my vicar. That, you've always been that, and you're the only person that would ever get away we've talking about the stuff that you do because I have that respect and we both know how I feel about religion and, and how I back away from it, but you pray mm. for me anyway. And that's why I've always, ah, oh, you, no matter what I say, I'm like, I don't want to hear it, Stephen. You're like, okay, I'm just going to go and pray for you. So for yeah. people to understand what level you are, when I asked you to do this interview and I said, let's do it today, you said, okay, I'm going to wash my hair for the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, Kendra, I think it's more like I'm, I'm not quite as the legends of some of those you've in, interviewed already. <laughs> it's not true. I think that your presence in my in life as an adult uh, has been massive, and that's why you are my vicar. But if you've been around when I've been younger, because you don't force your beliefs on anyone, you nearly lost your place as my vicar, though, didn't you? When you introduced me to the, the Archbishop of Canterbury and I got myself selfie, <laughs> you almost lost it. But no, you're back in the game. It's I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the, the, you're, if people don't understand what you're about for me mm. it's like you've walked a different world that I don't know about you seem to understand stuff that you shouldn't I've said this to you before you seem to understand mm -hmm. things that young people are going through and you, and you wrote me a blog and in that blog you said that um, no child is bad um, a bad one. what do you what do you mean by that explain what that meant I think the problem is we're so quick label people label anything in society these days and, and find a cause and blame and I think if you remember from the blog I was trying to make a very basic analogy that you know that's born is like a blank sheet of paper their life coloring is just about to begin and of course unfortunately Kendra for, the, with, for your life for other people's lives that you've known there's probably too, been too many sh shades of gray and dark streaks of black in their lives you know which has spoiled the potential that they have they they could possibly have no child is born evil that cannot happen it goes against the, the beauty of creation in itself it's what pe other people do to them which is as you know in your vocation that that is the problem i think to answer the part of your question is you know as I said to you at the beginning I wasn't born a priest um I've trodden a couple of vacations as you know when I met you I was I was a teacher and a school chaplain yes so I was, I was obviously teaching at the time being a school chaplain not in a private school but in the in the state school uh, in Ramsgate in, in Chatham House um but it gave me an opportunity to be with the groups of children and their families for example uh 
especially working with really good dedicated teachers in the school who are heads of year, heads of houses. And it allowed me another sort of dimension to work alongside with them and to help them as to whatever I could do in terms of, of care and, and hope. Um, you know, things like I remember one going with one head of house where we had to go to one lab to get him to school because both his parents were addicted on class A drugs yeah. and, he had, and he had vital GCSE exams to get to and he, he did come in the end. But, you know, it's those sort of things that you think, gosh, you know, this is where it really starts. Um, and, and also before that, uh, I spent time in Her Majesty's Customs and Excise as a young man signed up in uniform, uh, spent some time in anti-smuggling duties. Uh, there you saw the rough side of life as well. And I was thinking just before this interview, Kendra, I was thinking about one incident that seemed to pop in my head, thinking about social injustices as well. I remember many years ago, we'd stopped a car in Dover and uh, it, was a, it was a young family. And you could tell, you have this instinct that, that the family didn't quite fit the car, for example. Their journey description wasn't quite right. They'd say, they said they'd been to Spain. And it turned out that inside their petrol tank was concealed cannabis resin, blocks and blocks of it. So I remember being quite struck by the fact that they were automatically arrested, the parents, and the children were put to one side to be put into care. Now, I knew we had a job to do, but there was that part of me already asking, how did this family get into this position in the first place? Because from time to time, you'd hear that they were, they say they were forced to do this run, to do this job. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's official, you're there just to investigate and to analyse. But it made me think even from that time onwards, why did they have to do that? What debts did they owe, perhaps, to do this run? And you could see they were terrified when they were arrested at the time. Yeah. I mean, that's just one incident of, of several that, that I remember. And I suppose as a young man, I started asking questions about what is our social care in terms of how we look after society and the laws that we enforce. Um, and I think towards the end of my career, I wouldn't say I got disillusioned because I knew I was moving on. God has a habit of moving you on, I think, in some ways. But I remember that, you know, things like when tobacco smuggling and cigarette smuggling was all the rage. I used to think it was highly unethical because we charge high excise rates, duty rates. So in other words, what you're doing, you're encouraging people to go over there to bring the cigarettes and then sell it illegally and create your own racket and gangs back in this country again. I thought, we've got something wrong here on that side. And that's why I've always turned to you. You talk sense. You're, you're the person, if I had to go to anyone in a religious way, you would be the one. And, and I've said to you, I've said before, not to you, but I've said that I say, oh, I don't believe in God. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. But, you know, when something happens, I'm the first, you know, like, oh, God, like, help me, help me. And you made me know that that was okay, that if I needed to call on him, I could because he's there anyway. And you give me that allowance to push it away if I wanted to, but also accept it if it was there. You offer yeah. that to the young people that you worked with in the schools. Did you see an impact of offering that to, because I know the, some of the young people you were trying to reach. Did they, yeah. did they embrace that offer of it's there if you want it? Yes and no. Often it's probably what you found. It's uh, my old motto is walking the walk long before you do the talk talk people need to see where you're coming from i think these days you know people won't take the gospel so to speak straight off the pulpit you know they need to have some evidence about how you or your community is you know i could tell you a lot of my parishioners are still walking away and still not quite sure where they are in, in in some ways i think that's the most important thing how do you walk walk the walk with them how do you spend quality time i believe in quality not quantity sometimes i do get fed up with the church in england was talking about figures and how many bums on seats can you get on church i think it's more qualitative than that in many ways so yes it would open up another door perhaps the curiosity 
uh, sometimes a religious aspect. And don't forget, being a chaplain at the school when, when I first knew you there, um, it was being a, a chaplain of all faiths and none. So, you know, whether it was Muslims or Hindu parents, they still liaise with, that was a real joy. But actually, those children could come to the chapel or they could come to the classroom and see me at lunchtime or whenever in school and open a discussion. You know, it was a case of being human, I think. You know, yeah. sometimes I'd, I'd, do strange, I'd do strange things like, like this. Well, hey, just looks out, you know what I mean? <laughs> and get them to play with it. So, in fact, one class, I remember making them all plastic uh, sleeves like this to put in their shirts to take their ties on. They went around <laughs> half a day to school with these on. So it was quite funny, really. The best thing you ever done is you come around to see me and you bought me glow-in-the-dark crosses with prayers on. That's the yeah. best thing. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, they, they glow in the dark. You'll like them. And I was like, I do like them. I'm going to have them. Have you still got it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> If you're on out, let me know. Let me know. One of one of my other roles is then. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, one of my other roles is is army chaplain to the Kent Army Cadets as well. So, um, uh, and actually, you talk about early on before we start recording about how the videos go out. Uh, I did a very simple Easter message to the army cadets. So we're talking about thirteen to eighteen year olds, but you've also got the sergeants and the officer instructors and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I'm a chaplain too as well. And I just did a five minute off the cuff Easter message and on the Kent Army Facebook, uh, Army Cadet Facebook had 1,200 hits. I thought, oh, that's a bit random. I guess someone's just been generating them. But I think sometimes people are just needing to hear a message or yeah. want to see what's going on out there. And some days I can do something and you get very few, very little in return. So, so I'm, quite, I'm quite impressed with how we can help youngsters even at that sort of level. I, I go on camp, uh, the Army Cadet camp once a year in the summer, of course, it's been cancelled this year. But last year, again, just a bit in perspective, uh, we were in Wales in Campanelli, and I always have a Padres out. Padre is the army word for chaplain. And, well, my Padre hours used to run from one hour to maybe three or four hours into the evening because I get so many teenage children coming in, and we actually had an old chapel, like really? in this unconverted hut that we had. Um, and it was really about discussion, chat. Where, the questions you were asking me, I'd be asking them, where are you, where are you going, what are you doing? And then if I'd offer prayer if they wanted it, often they would. But it was actually, there were teenagers who you realise didn't have the pathways to express themselves socially. Maybe they had problems with their parents, a lot of them did, um, or step-parents, for example, or there was a death in the family and they, they had no social skills, and maybe that's not the right word, but they had no way of, of handling that or what yeah. to do with that grief, etc. So I remember coming home telling, telling my wife, you know, at the end of it, that I was absolutely exhausted because I'd be up at six in bed by midnight, but... It was such a joy and I would follow up with a couple of calls later on when we got back to see how they were. But you realise there's a real yearning for youth to be taken seriously, youth to be uh, respected, to be to listen to at the most thing. A little bit of love. and I mean, love with a small L, you know what I mean? It's just basically that they know that they are special people and that they're going somewhere. I mean, the thing is, is that this is why I brought you here, because I like to hear your message. That's the truth of it. I like the stuff that you say. These videos are being created so professionals can see what young people need. And some young people need people like you. And I recognise that. So, so that's why I put you on the platform with me. And I think it's mm. very powerful for people to see that we come from poles apart in some ways, but in other ways, me and you are walking the same walk. We're trying to, we're trying to help those that are trying to save themselves. That's all we're trying to mm. do. And that's why. Mm. A question for you. Yeah. Why do you think it's so easy for us to demonise teenagers or young people? What, why, what, where does that come from? Because I know you get so angry about the, that they demonise them, but where does that come from? I think it's just by observing, you know, it's, it's, 
Kendra, you know, being on, on the planet planet, you know, where there's a <laughs> high density population, children have got lack of youth groups or lack of things to do as such. As soon as someone puts a hoodie on, so to speak, I know hoodies are a bit old fashioned, these days, but it's still still around. I think it's because people can't read faces, they can't read the body language. And if you can't do that, you automatically think there must be something wrong going on there. I mean, you know, you look at sometimes the press with, with Muslims, for example, you know, with the, with the headdress and that sort of thing, wrongly. You know, it's just, it's part of their religion and, and yet they can sometimes be demonised for the wrong reasons as well. Um, and, and I just think it's basically, you know, if they're kicking around and not doing anything, not being any constructive, then they must be doing something wrong. And they're very quick, people are quick to judge like that. And this is where you're different. I, you've never been like that. I've seen some of the young people that you've interacted with People have given up on that kid and they're just not interested. And you just pop up, you're like, how are you? Like nothing's happened. And I think that's very, very powerful for young people and something you're really good at. And can I say, Kendra, there are lots of my colleagues uh, as priests and also lay people like yourself up and down in the country, in the towns and cities where the press don't actually get in that far that are really doing a tremendous job. And in fact, a lot of my city colleagues, I take my hat off to because they are working beyond limits to make sure that communities are held together that they do their best for the church to be an agency a partnership you know we talked about signs of the kingdom i read out at the beginning it's about making sure that god is there where people are all the time if a young person um, or anyone was watching and wanting to reach out to the church how easy do you think that is like so in your area what, what where would they go what would they do yeah, that's a really good question because sometimes a church can be seen as an alienating place especially haven't been into church why would I walk through that door and so you know some places have offered like a fresh expressions where you, like a, a casual type church set up in a hall or in a barn or, or in a school or whatever to help break those barriers um for us I suppose in this internet day and sort of e-church days as I call them with lockdown you know the websites give a lot of information most church websites good church websites have a lot of information as to as to what is going on there's also a website called a church near you where you can actually log on to see what what your church is doing near to you as well I would just say to anyone watching, go up and ask a priest, chat to them. You know, they're, they're not a million miles away. They're not on a, on, a, on a pillar praying to God all day long and ignoring the world below them. Because that goes, that's counterintuitive to the gospel message at the end of the day, that, you know, God in human comes to us and tells us right in the nitty gritty, this is how it is. You know, so I would always say, and I used to say that actually, um, and I suppose people, if they're not used to the church, they have, have a, they have a, have a strange perception. I remember back in my school chapter days, one of my staff on my team teaching RS, uh, they were teaching a year eight class. I had to go through the classroom, it's a bit of a strange corridor in, in the school there to get to my study. And this year eight girl put her hand up and had my collar on. And she said, excuse me, sir, are you a Christian? <laughs> my first instinct was to laugh. But actually, that was a really, really good question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, for the question because it was really a, a, a perceptive question so sometimes part of the teaching was well, what is the church what is the priest what does it do because they might learn about church churches uh, uh, festivals key moments maybe a bit of the church history etc but if they're still just detached to it they won't know what it's about i think i'm going to include when i write out the blog for this i'm going to include some stuff like i'm going to look and see how i would search for the churches i think having them yeah. there could get somebody interested and started yeah. I know that you um, you understand about county lines and them sort of things there. I have this conversation mm. with a few people and you're somebody I think I want to talk to about it. The people out there, the, the, the police maybe, I don't know, people are saying, oh, county lines is reduced. It's not no. prevalent, right? 
what, 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 what do you think? No, I don't think so. I agree with one of your previous interviews as well in some ways. That in fact, it's just, just hidden. You know, crime is crime. They, they look for different lines, different ways of approach. You know, there's, there's, there's also cyberbullying through, through, through interface like this, through communications. You know, it, it would carry on. Um, interestingly enough, I was reading in Brazil, one of the feared cartels are now doing good work now for the favelas over there. I thought, gosh, if, if county lives could just change around and do good work, that would be absolutely brilliant. But no, like you... I think it's changed. And I take, Andrew, you opened my eyes up a bit as well, because there's certainly people having worked in law enforcement, etc. But to know what was going on the streets, and you were telling me about the street names, the tagging and everything that goes on, the language, for example. And it was great when you did that, that uh, presentation to our school at the time. It really opened up a whole new invisible world, perhaps yeah. an invisible world like the church can be an invisible world to some people. Exactly. You know, it's just like... You know, wow, uh, it's bad. It's not good, and I, I think it is a multi-agency approach. The police cannot resolve it themselves; they just cannot, and it has to be a sense of education and social care together, uh, and a sense of good ethics as well. You know, kids need to have good ethics right from the beginning, so that they can say no. But you know, I know with your situation, you know, if you're in a state, for example, and there are limited options, yeah. it's difficult. I, I keep bringing this back and I will stick by it. The whole um, ethos of Blondie's people is that it takes a village to raise a child and we have to work together. There's no silence, there's no point. And no. does that include faith? Sometimes it does and sometimes it does include police, but it's never just one or, or none. In your mm. blog, you said, um, you talk about that we can become the mothers and fathers to those who don't have them. You say that mm. and I love yes. that you say that. Do you think that yeah. could work? Do you think that we, we can do that for someone? If we get enough courage from people to volunteer to help out, we're like any other organisation in the church. We struggle for volunteers as charities are struggling for volunteers sometimes as well. There needs to be a, a complete mindset, a change set that, and I think we've seen it, Kendra, out to this out to this COVID pandemic where suddenly I'm seeing neighbours looking after each other. I'm getting yeah. fewer phone calls, believe it or not, uh, post uh, you know yeah. COVID than I was pre-COVID because when I ring up, they say, "Oh, it's right, Vicar, uh, so and so looking after me," or "So and so around the corner." Or someone says to me, I've spoken to my neighbour for the first time in 30, 40 years. <laughs> now, if we could move that mentality into, now it's not just my neighbours, but the children around the corner or the children of Mrs. So-and-so, that we can be like, you know, an assistance to them. You know, in the church, we have this lovely concept, don't we, that when we baptise children, who are the witnesses? The gods, aren't they? And the godparents are those that are going to support them spiritually throughout their lives. We need something like that on a, on a more social scale, that I'm going to be your sponsor and I'll make sure there's someone you can come to if you need a chat. I can come and visit you from time to time. That sort of thing is required on a bigger scale, which then could perhaps make a bigger inroad into changing the mindset about county lines. How amazing would that be? Like you've just said it, if that when you when a young person is involved in certain things, they are blessed with two godparents, just loosely the term godparents, yeah, yeah, yeah. two adults, two adults who then spend their time trying to guide that young person, just two adults from different backgrounds, it would be life-changing, wouldn't it, really? Oh, ma massively. When Jesus says, who's my neighbour? Everyone's your neighbour around us, you know, the sphere of influence that we have. And that would be just the start. And it, it is more difficult than you imagine, I think, as well, because I was thinking about school uh, times as well, Kendra, because, you know, even with all the great pastoral support that you get, for, say, from your class teacher to your head of house head of the year, not every school has a chaplain. I appreciate that. Or your welfare officer, for example. There are still some kids that would never go and talk to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as, as you know, because it's still a, a seen as an authoritative figure, perhaps, yeah. or that, and you can understand it, 
that person that they think they could go to is not in the same world or understanding where that person's coming from. You know, and it's, and it's not a, a fault from them, but it's just a, a social default that takes place. But no, I think it almost needs some sort of like national movement, uh, you know, where, where, where adults, when you think about all those hundreds of thousands of adults that volunteered for the NHS, what, 900,000 people volunteered to help yeah. the NHS out with get, collecting prescription deliveries, Imagine 900,000 adults in the country saying, I'm going to sign up some national uh, youth uh, agency where we are allocated one or two people that we can keep an eye on. Obviously, you need the full training, the full um, uh, C uh, the, uh, CBR, not CBR, I'm looking yeah. at this. Uh, DBS. You know, DBS, that's it, DBS. Um, and, you know, and everything else. And I think it could, it could really work. And I think it would... I think it loosened the police load a little bit as well in, in terms of yeah. actually we'd be there helping out all the time. Do you know what they should call it? They should call it Blondie's Go People. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to dye my hair especially. <laughs> I want to ask you... I like you, that, I like that. Oh, it's good, isn't it? I want to ask you because you're one of the few people that could probably speak. So you didn't know Blondie. You've only ever known Kendra. Um, and Blondie existed yeah. for, to, until she was 21. Do you think, mm. in your opinion, that you could have reached Blondie? And do you think that too many people labelled her a badden? Is that because that's what happened? She was labelled a badden. Do you think that you might mm. have been able to reach her? The ideal answer would be yes. But then I'd have to see if, had I been a parish priest at the time in the estate that you were, I, the question I need to ask you was, did you see the church anywhere in your estate? Yes. So my, both my parents were very religious, but in different religions. So my mum yeah. was not very religious, but they went to the church. So I attended church groups and stuff when I was younger and I sent both of uh, my children to church school. But what happened was when I was about 10 or 11, the church organised a trip to Chesington or somewhere like that. And we would have to pay her money and I couldn't pay the money. I, I never had the money. My mum didn't give it to me. It was like 50p a week. But no, I, think I didn't have it. I was about 10. Mm -hmm. And I went and told the church I didn't have the money and I, was, I, I never got to go. So the next year when it was a trip when I was 11 and my friends will remember this, I stole the money for the trip. I stole it from this, this lady mm -hmm. and I'd give it and the church found out that I'd stolen the money and so I was excluded from the trip. I couldn't, I didn't know, that it wasn't very nice, no, for me. And that's where, that's where my faith started to be lost. And you know what, understandable because, you know, even, you know, schools will provide money for people of, uh, you know, poor backgrounds to help them with, trips etc even the church we have things like relief funds we're not rich rich but my goodness had you been sort of someone saying stefan can i come on to this trip i'd have dug my money money out for you to go and therefore it would have avoided you having to go to steal and therefore being excluded from church it sounds almost pre-reformation catholic style that you're excommunicated which uh it was and i'm so sorry that happened because that that's where the church no matter what denomination has failed you and I think the thing was, is that um, I didn't seek the church. That's the church. That's the church that's presented to me. That wasn't the only church in the area. But it was just another set of adults that were just went, nah, you're, you're just, you're too bad. You're just too bad. So I just, I built on that. I think that if you had been around how Blondie was and how you are now, I would have come back for more because you answer my questions. If I asked, and I have asked you questions, you're like, well, let's talk about that. You never say to me, no, you just have to believe. You've never said that. No, no. We can discuss that, and I think that's what's important. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, at the end of the day, our lives are a journey. And I, and I say to people, you know, we're all in different paths in that spiritual journey. Yes, obviously, from my conviction as a Christian, you know, my path leads to Christ, you know. But, you know, we try and help people to understand it in their own way. Um, nobody likes it being forced upon them, you know, like any rules or any authority. And that's the problem, Kendra. We live in an age of anti-authoritarianism. People are suspicious of inst big institutions, sadly, including the church as well. But, yeah. no, it is, it is coming out of that institution, actually speaking at a personal level, down to a one-to-one -one sort of basis. That will help. I was just thinking what you're saying actually about the church, etc. You see, the other thing that would help, perhaps in your in your Blondie's people sort of organisation, would be actually those sort of teenage. <laughs> yeah, I know. Would be those teenagers that have perhaps survived or been on the on the periphery or on the edge of it who've managed to get through because it's role models. Because I was listening to what you're saying. When you were younger, you saw the church. There were adults, and there was that dis you know the distance between you. Had yeah. there been younger teenagers in that church, which would have said, "Listen." Uh, Kendra, you know, we've had this issue. How can we help or be part of it? Oh, you know, yeah. then that would have been really brilliant. Yeah. Well, we don't get it always right in the church, I'm afraid. No, no, none of us get it always right. That's yeah. the thing. And that's why I'm presenting it now. I could easily, as an adult, say I'm not involved in the church because of what happened to Blondie. But that's not yeah. how it was. She had the wrong people. You would have been the right person. Absolutely. I want people that are struggling during lockdown, because I know that you mm -hmm. always bring words of comfort. What would you say to them, then people that are in lockdown and they're feeling isolated? They might have people around them, but isolation is a powerful thing. Can you bring comfort with the stuff that you do? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think what has happened is there is a lot of things that are out there now to help. So, you know, for example, there's so many apps out there, for example, on the social media platforms, which can help in terms of five minute meditation, pray as you go, all these different types. I would advise, you know, occasionally tuning in, tuning out from the world around you. And, you know, Kendra, I'm right. You're right. You're talking about people stuck in a 10th, 10th floor flat, for example, no balcony. Oh, okay. How are they going to find that sense of release? You know, so how would you find that five minute out, perhaps listening to something, which is so important? I think now with the restrictions, I would say go for a walk, stretch your legs, breathe the fresh air, look at the blue sky, the trees around you. Just even if you're in a concrete jungle, look at the small snippets of beauty, the old flower growing through the cracks. Listen to the bird song. Listen to the season change. And just realise that you're part of something much bigger. You know that life goes beyond your sofa and your and, and, and your living room at the end of the day. And that is a start. And then I'd say, keep your mind and ears open. Listen to the world around you. And you know what? You might just hear God, not in a Homer Simpson way, going, "Hmm, Kendra." You know, but basically, you know, but basically, you know, through other people that you meet as well. Things, you know, can happen, things can change. And don't forget, there are communities of people all over the country that pray for all sorts of people, pray for all sorts of communities as well. And the power of prayer is important in Christian faith. I know, and I think it's very important as well that whether you believe in God or not, we all got to believe in hope. Hope has got everyone through this, and, and that's the truth of it. Massively, massively. I mean, you know, I remember sort of um, a, few, a couple of years ago, there was someone who died, and I went to knock on the widow's door. And I was told by everyone, oh, she won't have anything to do with the church, uh, Vicar, you know, you don't want to go there. And I thought, well, no, everyone's, everyone's contactable. Everyone is, is, is part of God's creation. So I knocked on the door. And, she went, and first thing she said, well, sorry, Vicar, I'm not religious. And I said, well, nor am I, but let's go and have that cup of tea. Well, her chin dropped. We got through the door, had a cup of tea. And she said, 
what do you mean you're not religious? I said, well, it depends how you define the word. Yes, of course I'm religious in the terms of, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, but you gave me such a vague definition of what religious means. I couldn't answer it on the spot, you know. And the conversation took place, not that it leads her to church, but when we meet up in, by passing in conversation, there's a, there's a connection, no matter how small, you know. And then you don't know how that grows in time. I remember when you um, come round and I always make you sit in the front room and I go to the kitchen and I shout out, do you want tea, Vicar? And you just roll your eyes because I just want to be able to say to people that I had the Vicar round for tea and you just let me do that. <laughs> I, was more relieved that you, I was more relieved that you didn't offer me the uh, stereotypical sherry. <laughs> <laughs> it, would have been, it would have been rum in my house, you know that. You know it would be sherry. <laughs> I ask everyone the same question towards the mm. end. Have you learned anything about yourself or others during the lockdown? Yes, I have learned that actually, as human beings, we are quite ingenious, that where there's a will, there's a way. You know, I'm just thankful, Kendra, that this didn't happen 30 years ago when the internet was just a fledgling thing, where there was no great yeah. mobile phones or mobile communications. It would have driven people really mad to a certain extent. You know, it would be a real problem. I've lost the question again, Kendra. What was the question? He just did what he like. He's mental. I ask him stuff and he goes off on one. Have you learned anything about yourself in lockdown other than you're very mental? Learning to listen, learning to yeah. slow down. In fact, the best thing that I've done is it's made me realise that, you know, we tend to work well, six day a week. We, we have one day of a week normally, but it tends to overlap sometimes. But I realised that I was running around like a, you know, the proverbial blue ass fly, really, because and it's made me appreciate that actually I've got to reconcentrate. I've got to re-strategize. I've got to think, how do I do things different? It's been quite good for me. And actually, if you can see my study, Kendra, it is tidy for the first time in three years. In fact, you can see it's all shelved nicely on the, on the... So that's been a plus. Enjoying the gun. And I said to you, enjoying the science, the science of nature. It's, it's given me actually more time to sit and read, to pray. I mean, I always pray, but actually to spend more time praying is, is really important. As, as priests, we, we often say what's called the morning and evening, evening office, which is a set prayer, you know, and it's like a... I suppose like in TV when you see the, the nuns and the monks going into their prayer systems as well, it's, it's similar. It just, it's a form of discipline and it roots us in this world and also in our, in our communication with God as well. And I found that has been really, really, really helpful. But it's, it's also made me think about the wider aspects of, of, of what we do and, and how we are, you know, both in my world, but who I am as, as Stefan as well. Yeah. I love it. I love the fact that you, even though I know how great you are at reflection, this is giving you more time to reflection. You've used it in yeah. that way. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think you might find that there's probably a, a lot of my colleagues, you know, um, thinking, you know, we're going to change when this is when this is over. And I almost tweeted the other. I, I said to my wife, I wonder whether I should have tweeted. Am I the only victim on Mondays at the moment? <laughs> Just do it. You know I love it when you're naughty. Just do it. <laughs> you're like the most unvicar vicar there is. It cracks me up. The stuff that you the stuff that you say that I'm just like, he's a vicar. What is he doing? But that's what makes you very you. We're usually, all human. We're all human. Usually at this point, I I usually say thank you for your interview. Blah 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 blah. But I know what you like. Do you want to say some words to bring people comfort before we say our goodbyes? I will definitely put my head down and join in your prayer if you want to. Yeah, let's say a prayer. Should we say a prayer? That's, that's not a bad thing to let's say. And it's open for anyone. Yeah, it's open to anyone. I'm going to say, Heavenly Father, 
thank you for this opportunity here that Kendra and I are having and Kendra has with so many other people in the community nationally that are doing such good work. Thank you that so many people are looking after your innocence, those young children, those young teenagers, that they are like angels that, that go where other angels fear to tread, that there is hope for all youngsters, that they just need to reach out to the right people. Lord, thank you for all the goodness in people. There is more goodness than there is bad. Help people to tap into that sense of welfare, not to demonise children, but to enjoy and, and just understand what their world is about, even though it is perhaps many worlds away from, from, from one's own living at times. Lord, give hope, give strength. You blessed the children in your time on earth. Bless Kendra and out of the shadows and all those that work for a greater kingdom. We talked about signs of the kingdom, the kingdom of God all around us. Amen. Amen. Can you, um, can you bring me around some more glowing crosses? Yeah, of course I can. When lockdown's finished, I'm, I'm hoping for that cuppa, Kendra. I will make it for you one day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me interview you. It has been amazing. Thank you, Kendra. You're amazing as well. Thank you.